the myth turns. Because mythology is the greatest soap opera of all time. With your cultural interns, Eris. And Z. Interns, because we're not professionals. And we're not getting paid. Hey guys, it's Eris. And I am Max, still filling in for Z, who's on assignment. <laughs> yes. Secret assignments from... Yeah, I got nothing. I don't, I, I don't think we were allowed to say at this point. I think that's probably correct. Yeah. 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 It's if we, if we told you, we'd have to kill you. Yeah, which means like we're gonna have to like hack into your system and like kind of like I don't know. I'm just really not big on doxing. It's just easier if we just don't tell you. As you can tell from our kind of weird impromptu skits, uh, we're talking about. I, I mean, one might think we were talking about spies, but we're actually right. talking about. Pulp heroes. Pulp heroes, yes. Yeah, sort yeah. of the precursors to the comic book heroes everybody mm-hmm. knows. Yeah. Uh, the stuff the Stan Lees and the Bob Canes and the Bill Fingers of the world were reading when they created yeah. the heroes that are ubiquitous today. Batman's grandpa. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> and, and in a lot of sus- suspicious ways as well, where it's like, yeah. come on, man. <laughs> like, really, like... like Zorro. Let, let, let's, <laughs> let me describe a character and you tell me who it is. <laughs> oh, ready. Disaffected wealthy man to everyone, mm-hmm. but secretly below his palatial mansion, he has a cave oh, no. <laughs> from which he fights for the underjustice. Could <laughs> one call him either a like a rakish slash playboy? Absolutely, maybe, kind absolutely. Of, in some regards, okay. but but the 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 persona he uses to fight crime is very heavily wrapped around an animal. Oh, mm. okay. I've got like eighteen people. I'm thinking of. <laughs> I mean, there's Batman. Uh, yeah, yeah. And there's it's also the, uh, the Shadow, the Phantom. Well, when you talk about the cave underneath the house, that's uh-huh. Zorro. That's oh, straight sure. up Zorro. Yeah, yeah. Zorro had the cave underneath yeah, the house where yeah. it was like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I think the. I mean, the Phantom had. I guess just his house, but. Um, actually, uh, yeah, do you mind if I jump straight into the Go Phantom? Yeah, that that was one of the ones I was going through and going, are you sure this isn't Batman? <laughs> you, you're telling me it's not Batman? What are you talking about? And, and Phantom is the alter ego of Richard Curtis Van Loon. Sorry for outing him, I guess. Spoiler hashtag, I guess. Yeah. He started off as an idol playboy. Uh, but you... This, this one was actually interesting to me. Um, his origin story is that he, much like a lot of people, he went to war. He went to World War I. Mm-hmm. And when he came back, he was like, he couldn't quite return to that carefree civilian life. He was mm. essentially haunted. He got his start by uh, helping the police solve crimes that they couldn't solve. I think he was worried that it would ruin his reputation. Um, so he always did it like in a mask. He was a master of disguise. How uh, He was a master escape artist. Uh, he used forensics to find clues. Yeah. Um, he also, he had one friend who knew who he was, who had some pull with the city, who that ended up installing a red dome light on the top of a building to alert the phantom when crime was afoot and they needed to summon the phantom to go. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, uh, are you sure it's the phantom and not Batman? What are you talking right. about? <laughs> I need basically tragic parental death <laughs> and it would be Batman. <laughs> right. And you could go with oh, that. Oh no, what if the phantom's death, that's, that's Batman's tragic parental death. 
you know, just, yeah. Well, I mean, you, and then you go into the sort of Joseph Campbell mono myth. Sort of <laughs> right, yeah. All, all heroes' journeys are the same heroes' yeah. journey. But right. when you talk about the Zorro, I mean, you're like... Oh, okay. like, a cave under the house. A cave under the house. Like, that, that doesn't even make any sense. But it happened to two different guys. <laughs> right, right. I... The only way it makes sense in my head is I once drove through Malibu. Like, I'm... That's that's all I could afford was to be on their highway system. Okay. <laughs> there were some oddly placed mansions that I'm like, okay, I can absolutely see a cave underneath one of these fucking... And like, that accounts for Zorro's pre-statehood California yeah. sort of existence. Does not account for why there's that cave in New Jersey. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, if you had told me Batman was in California, I'd be like, I know. Right, yeah. right, 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 but right. I also feel like he would be slightly happier. Like, not... There's a culture oh. of happiness. I don't think it's necessarily true. I just think people are really good at faking it. <laughs> well, I, I think seasonal di- affective disorder is probably less of a thing in Malibu than it is, you know, in smog-filled... <laughs> yeah. Um, the ugly parts of New York City. Like, yeah. Yeah, that much sun- sunshine is going to affect a, 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 somebody's mood. Yeah, which is I, which is why I always think of Zorro as generally happier than Batman. Oh, why you think? I always think of like Iron Man as Batman, but enjoying it. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. There's yeah. a certain amount of glee that I've always imagined Zorro with. Oh yeah. And, and that could yeah. be the movie with well, Captain Zeta Jones. And, but that movie is pretty dope. Like okay. that movie's in a pretty good interpretation. It's sort of Zorro Beyond. Okay. Because obviously, okay. like uh, Hopkins' character in the first part is the traditional Zorro, uh-huh. the Don Diego de la Vega. And, yeah. And I don't know why I went <laughs> accenty at the end there, it's but that's how you pronounce his name. That's how you say it. And so that he finds a a protege to become the next okay. Zorro is very much Batman Beyond. Which, by the way, Warner Brothers, you could make a live action Batman Beyond movie with Michael Keaton, and no one would have a problem. No one would have a problem. Right. I'm like, anyway. less of a problem. I'm like, that, yeah. that would actually make me go movie. watch it in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a dope movie. Anyway, <laughs> that's for another discussion. Right. We're talking about the pre-heroes. Yes. You look at Zorro, you look at the Phantom, you look mm-hmm. at uh, the Shadow. There's definitely mm-hmm. a big influence on the Batman mythos. And for then sure. even Stan Lee went on the record as saying Doc Savage is was sort of the yeah. seminal superhero and he's very much that marvel kind of hero he yeah um he's very captain america-esque he's he has a lot he has a little bit of captain america but he also has a little bit of iron man and that he's like this jack of all trades he's a brilliant inventor Mm. and and just a polymath in a lot of ways yeah but then also fucking ripped like the hulk yeah he he trained his whole life slash like scientific experiment to make him like an Olympic level athlete at all times. But he 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 also exists in a New York that is very real, Mm. and not say real, but it's well defined. It was obviously Mm. written by people who had a knowledge of New York. Okay, and and we'll get to that in the fact of the day a little bit. Cool, cool, cool. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, and you know, it really stinks about these pulp heroes. Every time they make a movie out of them, the movie doesn't do well, and they want to turn back oh, and yeah. not do those because, like, they did The Shadow. Oh yeah, with, yeah, yeah. without Baldwin, which is a movie I really like, despite uh-huh. it not really working all that well. Uh-huh. The Phantom with Billy Zane, mm-hmm. which didn't Zorro did good. Yeah, but then the second Zorro didn't do, do so hot. Oh my god, I totally forgot there was a second Zorro. There's a second Zorro, and it's not that great. Oh no, because they forgot to bring back Hopkins. Oh, uh, okay. Movie, that movie should have been like The Godfather Part Two, where there was a Anthony Hopkins story and an Antonio Banderas story mm. parallel. 
Okay. Like, yes, you killed Hopkins at the la- end of the last one, but, you know, you killed Marlon Brown at the end of the first Godfather, and there's Robert De Niro. It would have been right, fine. If, yeah. Would have been fine. Just saying. But nobody <laughs> asked me these things, right? and they keep making shitty movies. Learn your lesson, Hollywood. Just ask me. Just, just <laughs> ring up Mac Boyle. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what the people want. <laughs> right. The, for years, there's been another Doc Savage movie in the works, mm-hmm. and The Rock has been tapped to play Doc yeah, Savage. Yeah, And he would be dope as Doc <laughs> Savage. Oh, he would be so good as Doc <laughs> Savage. Because he's like, the, he, he, there's a little yeah. bit of a weirdo to him. Yeah. But he's, you know, cut like a statue. Well, yeah. And, and there, there's nobody, like even Schwarzenegger back in the day could not have played Doc Savage as well as The Rock could play him today. Yeah. 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 That's my speech about Doc Savage. <laughs> you were going to talk about some of the even sort of pre-pulp right, Yeah, yeah. Once, once I started going into the pulp heroes, I started looking at like, oh, pulp, directly influenced by Penny Dreadfuls. Oh, the, you know. Yeah. The, it was just cheap it just, literature. It wasn't, yeah. you know, highbrow novels, adventure right. stories for... This, and yeah. like, stories to entertain the average person, the masses, right. essentially. Right. And so, you know, they, they tended to be very tropey. Yeah. They tended to have lots of, you know, cliches even. But at the same time, it's just like, they were the type of thing that you could pick up, you know, at any store or whatever, and then dive immediately into it. You had a bit of cultural knowledge already because they played on things that you kind of already knew. Yeah. And, and already expected to see. And especially in that kind of early 20th century version of it, they would always be sure and reintroduce the concepts because they mm-hmm. had an awareness that every Doc Savage book or every Shadow book was somebody's first yeah, and you, yeah. you could explain the shadow and Doc Savage and and all these other characters, the Phantom, mm-hmm. really quickly, very early on, right? And then you got the context of it. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. he has some mystical power to cloud men's mind. He knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men. Okay, now let's have him, you right. know, break up racketeers. Yeah, especially because like almost almost always in each of the episodes. They would then showcase those powers. That way, if it is your yeah. first, you can go through and go, oh, that's what they meant by right. he can do this thing. Cool, 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 got it. And then you were, you know, ready to pick up the next one. Literature to entertain is honestly kind of, it, it's back and forth between a new idea and also something that kind of keeps cropping up through history. Obviously, it used to be very expensive. To create literature. Sure. Both in terms of publication. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, before the Gutenberg Press, like, right. it, it, well, it was Before the Gutenberg very... Press, literacy was nowhere, so there wouldn't be any readers to read exactly. a produced thing. Yeah. yeah, the only, and it was only because the books that were created pre-Gutenberg were literally from monks who knew how to read, and they were doing it for archival reasons, mm. usually. Um, that's, I mean, that's how we, we have the Eddas, the Norse Eddas, is only because... Right. Some monks were like, I don't know, I think it's important. Better write it down. Like, it wasn't yeah. to entertain people. It was to make sure this knowledge didn't die. But then we started getting into this idea of, like, well, people can read. Right. You know, uh, they, well, maybe maybe I can make a little money on the side yeah. telling them a story. You don't, you don't use $10 <laughs> words. We're going to print it on shitty paper. Right, yeah. It'll yeah. be fine. It's something for the kids. Yeah, and then by the time you get really into Victorian era, yeah. everybody's literate. Sure. For, I mean, and, rather, literacy has dropped to historic lows. Right. At least in, in Western. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, Charles Dickens was very yeah. much the man of the people as far yeah. as... He would have been the Stephen King of his era. Mm, exactly. Where people, yeah. you know, where 
highbrow people are like, oh, Dickens, well, hmm. Oh, yeah. Has he got it with ghosts again? Hmm. Well, then, <laughs> yeah. whatever. And, and meanwhile, everyone's got at least one or two in their house. <laughs> right, now it's like, oh, Dickens, oh, Dickens is so highbrow. Yeah, oh, I dig it. Mm, Dickens was a good businessman. Just, yeah, oh yeah, he was. He was decent. He was a decent writer. I'm just, he, he was a raconteur and well, yes. a tour with the books and, yeah. and and that sort of thing. I mean, Twain, yeah. Twain did the same thing. And... There's a reason why every chapter is the same length. Oh yeah, because that was the max payment on that word count. <laughs> that and I mean, he was serializing them, so oh, for sure. he, he yeah. was you know working under the same constraints as a newspaper man. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, Dickens is a lot easier to read if you read each chapter two weeks apart. Yeah, because that's how they were produced. I could see that. That's how. Uh, yeah. yeah, reading them all at once, you. Get it gets a little heavy, yeah. yeah, yeah. But then you read them two weeks apart, and you're like, oh, oh, this is, okay, this is way more pleasurable. Sure. I understand why people were so into this now. Sure. A little bit, little post, uh, but I, I want to talk about the Scarlet Pimpernel. Yes. So that was 1903, actually based off of a play, and then they did the book right. uh, very quickly thereafter because the play was so popular. Right. First novelization. Okay, I'm not gonna say first because there might have been another one, but it was first like really big novelization. This play was great. But, but the uh, the act, I mean, they're off Broadway now. It's not Broadway; it was London. But you know, <laughs> it was the equivalent of a Marvel movie. Success. And they're like, "Well, yeah. let's let's try to merchandise it. Let's can can you write it?" So I mean, they actually asked the playwright to write it. Right, and it, it's interesting. I just finished reading a Holmes pastiche, the Adventure of the Peculiar Peculiar Protocols, by Nicholas Meyer. Okay, wherein. Uh, the London that they are occupying is the one that's everybody's talking about the Scarlet Pimpernel and Holmes <laughs> is like eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. yeah. I mean, but there was another thing too. It's like Sherlock Holmes has a very similar not mm-hmm. not. I would say for sure the Shadow is definitely like Batman's dad or Shadow Zorro, several of the others. I mean, people have said that Batman is essentially the Shadow meets Sherlock Holmes. Yes, yeah, but Sherlock Holmes yeah. has almost a grandfather feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the shadow would have influenced, like Sherlock Holmes would have really in- has in- influenced any crime fighting. Yes. Extremely skilled amateur. Yeah, to, to bring yeah. It, bring it out. The, into, the yeah. best version of vigilantism kind yes, of thing. Yeah. Um, especially with vigilantism that actively works with police. The police either begrudgingly right. accept help. Um, but there's also Scarlet Pimpernel, which has very similar, um, kind of background, both to Sherlock Holmes and also you, you, you see some things here. Uh-huh. Foppish playboy by day. Less Sherlock Holmes, but, uh, no. starting to veer into Batman territory. Yeah. Um, adventurer and crime fighter by night. Right. Um, master escape artist. And more importantly, he did dress up and wear disguises. He disguised sure. who he was. Um, he left his Scarlet, Scarlet mm-hmm. calling card, the Scarlet Pimpernel, which is a flower. That's the interesting thing about Doc Savage. Doc Savage is sort of the proto-Iron Man in the way that he is so in public. Like, yeah. everybody in New York knows who Doc Savage right, is. And right. Doc Savage is a celebrity. Which and is, that's his name, so it's like... Which uh, is interesting, because it's less like yeah. how Iron Man in the comics started, because but he very, for sure... in the movie mold, It's yeah. my bodyguard. <laughs> right. <laughs> so much so that poor Steve Rogers was like, God, I'm like, I can't hang out with both of my buddies at the same time. I keep that's, inviting them to the poker that's game. That's so true, those 80s comics. He's so flummoxed <laughs> by like... Right? Oh, man. <laughs> Tony Stark, you won't believe what Iron Man just said. <laughs> Oh yeah, that. I mean, what did he say? <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah. Uh, and then, and then he finally learns who Tony Stark is. I mean, not the public, but Steve right. learns who Tony Stark is because um, I want to say Mysterio. 
somebody uh strips him out of the armor and for whatever reason the only thing that tony's wearing is a red speedo (laughs) and steve is like i can see all of you now i had why didn't you tell me and he's like what about the speedos they're comfortable (laughs) they literally make this dumb joke about tony stark's underwear (laughs) as opposed to confronting the fact that he'd been lying to his best friend for years (laughs) I I, I love I love Iron Man so much (laughs) Commercial Commercial Hey guys, it's Eris cutting in for our regularly scheduled commercial break I would like to thank Packmill Photography for sponsoring this episode They're a photography business based in Coweta, Oklahoma and you can find them at packmealphotography.com They take really awesome pictures so if you need pictures taken it's a little early for senior prom but if you're already thinking about that um, or even if you just need like you know family photos call them up and they will get you scheduled and sorted out I'd also like to thank Mac Boyle That's me! (laughs) For producing our show Oh no! Oh no! The alter (laughs) egos. Thank you so much for producing our show and for editing it and for just helping us out and like giving us. I haven't said this in a while. Your advice on how to make this show better. I can't place a value on how on how valuable it is. Like it's. Shucks. You've made our show better, Shucks. and honestly, our show has been kind of a trash heap without you. <laughs> and you get to record it deep within my secret lair. Yeah, that's also super fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is very lair-like. I'm it impressed. Is. Yeah. It's a little small, but yeah. it's got a... But you can barely see the bat guano. It's awesome. That's true. <laughs> that's the trick. <laughs> right. Batman, take note. If you like our show, uh, which I know you are because you're listening to it and you're commenting, and that's super great, and I'm so thankful for that, too. That's on you, people. <laughs> <laughs> you should consider checking out our other shows we are part of the party apocalypse network they have really great podcasts that you can go check out right now um including ours but also the fourth wall which is in its completion stage you can listen to all of it without missing any information Uh, we also we as in me Eris, z who's still out and mac along with Mac's lovely wife, Laura, have a new podcast out called The Holodeck is Broken, a Star Trek Watch Rewatch podcast, which is really super funny. Probably funnier than the actual episodes we've been watching. So far. So far. Right. I'm sure eventually we'll hit, like, that mighty that switch. That equilibrium. Yeah. 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 But right now, if you like, I remember watching original series, you can check out... Check out our podcast. It'll make the original series better? Worse? It'll put it in context. It'll put it in context. It's interesting. In these first few episodes, I used to be a really big fan of the original series, and I'm episode by episode becoming less of a fan of the original series. (laughs) Yeah. Z has never watched any Star Trek, and Z's kind of getting into it a little bit. Depends on the episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think Z's getting into particular characters which is kind of where i was always sure there are characters i would die for yeah (laughs) but the show i'm all i'm just like "Eh." (laughs) but yeah you should definitely check it out it's uh, i know some of you were like a rewatch podcast Hmm. this one's actually pretty good yeah i we just as with as the myth turns digressions are welcome (laughs) yeah yeah and uh we also sort of improvise in-universe commercials for our commercial break yeah and those those have been 
they frequently make me laugh so hard I either A, have to pee, or B, literally go blind. Like, yes. For, like, for a couple seconds, but, like, was, cannot see I'm laughing so hard. There was one time I said one word in just a particular way, and Z lost it for five minutes. You can find those. You can find those all on Spotify. You can find them on Google Play. You can find them on Stitcher. If you can't find them there, you can find them on... Partyapocalypse.com. Yes. Now, our fact of the day. Yes, yeah, speaking of secret layers, it's interesting you talk about the layers of certain heroes, uh, the Fortress of Solitude, mm-hmm. the layer of the Fox for Zorro, uh, mm-hmm. the Batcave, the Avengers Tower, the Baxter right. Building. Mm-hmm. Doc Savage, uh, throughout the literature of, of, of his adventures, has a not-so-secret layer on the 86th floor of an unnamed New York skyscraper. Now, mm-hmm. when Doc Savage comes out, how many buildings went up to 86 floors? Okay, mm-hmm. I think like one. Indeed. (laughs) So everybody's like, okay, it's the Empire State Building. So you can actually go to the place where, theoretically, Doc Savage hibernated between adventures. It's a, Mm -hmm. uh, there's an observation deck there, and it's still filled with Art Deco beauty and Mm -hmm. uh, nonsense. And so it's the one superhero layer you can, you can go to. Public hours. I'm actually really excited about that because, like, I've been there. There you go. Kind of before I knew who Doc Savage was, because I, yeah. I, I was I was a wee baby heiress, and I, I was basically like, wow, I'm really tall. So I looked down. I was also one of the last people up on uh, uh, the World Trade Center. Really? Yeah, because the end of August is when I toured that That's place. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, in 2001, yeah. There's a YouTube video going around about uh, somebody taking, like, just VH, like, uh, mm, home, yeah. home movies on the 10th of September. Oh, my God. Which is weird. Oof, yeah. 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 Yeah, actually, I went up um, to the roof and everything. Like, cause at that, like, on there, mm-hmm. um, one of the towers had roof access that was tourable. And right. they had big plexiglass sheeting, you know, that went up, like, a good 12 feet. So you, you wouldn't were, be tempted. There, there was the guy who used to try to walk a tightrope between the two. Oh, yeah. It is a French oh, guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they, right. they, they had to put a stop to that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, well, there was these big signs that was, please do not throw anything over the side of the building. Terminal velocity is a thing. <laughs> Even spit can kill somebody. <laughs> I would think it would break up in the air, but yeah, they had very, they had very strongly worded signs, and as a thirteen-year-old, it was like, oh my god. <laughs> anyway, that was that was a mini episode all into its own. It was back to superheroes. So I'd like to go back even farther mm-hmm. <laughs> than just like even like pre Penny Dreadful Don Quixote. That's actually one that I always think of as like the kind of the the forefather. One would say of the kind of mm-hmm. superheroes, especially the superheroes we have now. Um, sixteen oh five, so like super old, at least in terms right. of like modern day literature, because this is very much the first modern novel. Don Quixote is a major influence around the world. It was one of kind of the first times we saw in literature this idea that individuals can be right while the world around them is wrong which which has which has gotten out of the lab in the last couple years Uh, yeah (laughs) but it from from like from i guess from like an academic standpoint this was one of the first times where you could see at least in literature western literature anyway eccentricity is heroism yes and like vigilantism yeah as something to be lauded an heroic ideal as opposed to like literally just straight up a crime that should be scoffed right and also like i just want to point this out because everyone forgets about it it establishes the idea of a sidekick that's true. You have a little bit of that with Dante's Inferno with taking Virgil around, but that's like like a tour guide. 
He literally picks out a dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's a survey course of the of the band. (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah. It's a tour. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, you you (laughs) named the the tour guide. Here's that guy. (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah. But Don Quixote was like, I need a side I need a squire, essentially. But it's like squires are sidekicks. (laughs) And a lot of the heroes had 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 sidekicks the pulp heroes as you keep going. Yeah. Uh, has very strong like and less of the age but think yeah. captain america and bucky barnes sure. kid bucky sure zorro usually had you know mm-hmm. a houseman yeah. which is you know problematic but whatever <laughs> right. doc savage had a whole team there's i mean don quixote like for sure like influence like like the three musketeers and sure. stuff and as much as that that's in itself a team they had like a, a like a, almost like a crew of people that they can rely on these confidants that they can go and like to get stuff done. And then obviously had Watson, but he also had the Baker Street regulars, mm-hmm. and then the Shadow worked alone except for the network of people he essentially blackmailed <laughs> into assisting him at the drop of a hat. Like the Shadow was bad. Like the Shadow didn't really give a fuck. I feel like as I I know a little of the Shadow. I really should look into the shadow more. Shadow's good. Um, the shadow sounds to me like Christopher Nolan Batman a little bit, like like yeah. less Adam West. Oh, sure. A little bit more like. Yeah, I mean it's the, the darker. Terrifying place. Yeah, there's there's that, but then it's also there's a menace to him. Like yeah, Batman was content to frighten a criminal with silence. Mm, yeah. Whereas the shadow would emotionally abuse a criminal. <laughs> yeah. Actively. Yeah. And and would just try to fool him with his various magics to think that he's not actually there. So by the <laughs> end, it's just a raving lunatic. Right. All right. All right. Well, it has and, slightly Joker quality. <laughs> right. And if, you, and if all of that didn't work, he had guns. Lots yeah. and lots of guns. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> he was really... Yeah, like, Batman has, in 99% of his iterations, really is not okay with killing people. Yeah. Shadow's not bothered by that. Yeah. Shadow's like, blam Punisher-esque. Yeah, which is why, like, sometimes you'll see these crossovers of these pulp heroes, and and anytime the Shadow and Doc Savage meet, they don't like each other. Because it's very much sort of Iron Man and Cap. Yeah, uh, yeah. uh, Superman and Batman, the squeaky clean versus Mm. the... You know, nuts and bolts kind of guy. Yeah. yeah, like I live by my principles versus. Or I'm a public. I... I'm a public figure, and I have to be yeah. an example for people. Whereas yeah. the shadow's like, I'm out here killing criminals because they're criminals. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's very much that classic do the ends justify the means, right? Kind of thing. Yeah, and then, you know, sort of yes the... or no. There's yeah. the yes and there's the no. The the Xavier Magneto dichotomy mm-hmm. of just run at some windmills, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, fight crime even if the crime may not be there. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and that's that's it's kind of an interesting journey because like you you can see where Don Quixote influenced, but you you still have to go in this line. Don Quixote influenced the Three Musketeers, which influenced sure. the Scarlet Pumpernail, which in school influenced yeah. this, which influenced, and then you can like okay, I can kind of see this. You can trace that father, but yeah. it's. Yeah. yeah, like right Absolutely. off the bat, you're like, oh, Batman, what? And like, okay, but there's there's a stair step there. Yeah, um, yeah, Batman was a development process. You don't just right. walk into the office of DC one day and it's Batman. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, well, let right. me tell you, there's this cave. Yeah, and he's kind of a daredevil, but that's already been licensed. Right, right. <laughs> Actually, it hadn't been, which point. is like... We have a man. He likes to climb up on rooftops. He gets dressed. He does these amazing feats of strength. Okay. And then we've got another guy who's literally blind and echolocates. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much it. So the 
the one who likes to hang up on rooftops, that one we're calling about Batman. And the one who echolocates, we'll call him Daredevil. Right. Right. It's like the, <laughs> the moment you finally put Sean Connery in a movie full of Scotsmen, you make him play the Spaniard. <laughs> like, has anyone ever actually watched Highlander and just sat there and wondered, why? Why was this the choice? You finally got him in a movie I in Scotland. I, I think I blocked that out. <laughs> oh my God. And you make him play a Spaniard. Oh my God. Uh, That's not about Pulp Heroes, but I think it's something that needs to be discussed every once in a while. Because it's nuts. That's not untrue for many Pulp Heroes. Is that sometimes when you look at the breakdown of how they came into existence, you're like, this is kind of nuts. This is crazy. Why did well, why'd you do it this way? When, you get to, when you're talking about the Pulp Heroes, it's sort of elemental and sort of yeah. like uh you know you know, you could view stock savage as sort of a zeus-like figure yeah and the shadow as oh hades thank you yeah. <laughs> i just couldn't remember his name he's a sort of hades-esque figure but yeah. then also it, you can draw it from the very elemental mythological mm-hmm. uh characters to you know yeah uh, the movies that are opening every weekend yeah 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 then you go back to the mythology and you think like wait what <laughs> right they they ate he ate the babies that, that's that's cool. nuts too. and then they grew up inside right. of him and he he didn't like was hanging around like you know, he right. was carrying like what six fully grown right adult-sized peoples that doesn't work right yeah sometimes yeah. it just gets silly yeah sometimes it just gets silly <laughs> modern not science fiction but like space opera science fantasy for uh-huh. lack of a better term would owe something to john carter and and the uh, oh yeah mars series by edgar rice burroughs mm-hmm. Uh, the Barsoom oh, series, if you will. Yeah. Um, Actually, we didn't. We barely even touched the sci-fi pulp. You know, yeah. Flash Gordon. And, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Flash Gordon. I mean, uh, uh, Star Wars started as Lucas wanting to do Flash Gordon. He couldn't get the rights, so he mm. says, "I'll write my own." Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> he did decent. <laughs> yeah, he he did. Yeah. Although I I I became somewhat recently aware of a conspiracy theory that okay. he didn't actually write the first script. He he may have heavily edited it, right. but he got... It's a conspiracy theory. One that I don't think holds much water, but that he got it from his roommate in college. Okay, I, I can unpack that significantly. <laughs> this is off topic, but we can, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I can get into this. That's actually a short film uh-huh. called uh, George Lucas in Love, huh. uh, where he steals all these ideas from his roommate and, uh-huh. and uh, ends up falling in love with a girl who turns out to be his sister and... Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, there all, is a lot to unpack there. <laughs> all, all that stuff comes up in that. But it's interesting. There's a book, uh, the annotated screenplays, where they uh, unpack the original trilogy mm-hmm. kind of line for line, where this came from, where that came from. Right. And that sort of thing. And you can go back to the original script Lucas wrote for it, and it has nothing to do with the original film. Uh-huh. Uh, very little. Yeah. In fact, they also did a comic book based on the original screenplay okay uh so i don't know if i buy that what, like yeah like that's why it doesn't really hold much water but i i was made recently aware yeah. that there is apparently a a pretty prevalent conspiracy theory yeah. you know emphasis on conspiracy the, there are so many parts of the star wars series that are very clearly attributed to other people right where i that's where i don't put it much stock into because there's re, there are so many things yeah. like the opening crawl was written by Brian De Palma. Uh-huh. Various sections of the screenplay yeah. were uh, taken from, uh, I may be getting their names wrong, uh, Willard Hyuk 
and Gloria Katz, who were screenplay writer friends of his. Yeah. And then there's and beyond he... the fact that, like, literally the basic storyline is a very classic sure. knighthood, you know, but boss the... prince, magical boy story. The fun, spontaneous moments in there were, were very clearly attributed to other people. So much so that, I want to say it was shortly after he, she died, uh, but there were pictures of screenplay pages from The Empire Strikes Back where Carrie Fisher had rewritten large portions of the dialogue on her own to oh, be yeah. the better dialogue that yeah. you enjoy in the movie. Yeah. Because she herself had a, a... fantastic editor. A fantastic editor, a very lucrative career as a script doctor. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that's where most... I mean, her money was not coming from Princess Leia action figures. It was coming from, you know, fixing the rock. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I don't know if she worked on that. She might have. She probably did. She probably did. I'm, gonna yeah. say I'm just assumed that like anything she, she, that came out really good during her lifetime, like I bet you she looked at it. Yeah, that, that's fair. <laughs> and she probably got paid anywhere from seventy-five to a hundred thousand dollars just for a couple hours of saying no. Shit. Do that. Yeah, I mean no. She yeah. I'm up my rates. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know. What were we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> John <laughs> Carter. Really John Carter. I mean, you, you, you take a lot of the elements of John Carter, the, the alien mm-hmm. cultures and that sort of thing. That influences Star Trek, Star mm-hmm. Wars, all that sort of stuff. Uh, as the first sort of space opera. It yeah. even predates Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon is, is full on with the same pulp, but I think it's more 1940s. That sounds right, but I'm trying to remember when uh, oh, oh, The Princess Carter. of Mars was first written like no idea uh, I'll find I, out. I was almost thinking it was contemporary with Jules Verne no a little later it was 20th century but like 1912 Mm-mm. so um, early early 20th century so definitely predating Flash Gordon but the, the interesting thing that they take from it is that that single heroic figure that that transplant that stranger in a strange land yes, kind of yeah. figure so much so that Superman in his original conception is exactly John Carter of Mars yeah. but except it's like the other John, John Carter of Krypton coming to Earth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you hear that original narration about Superman, you know, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Everybody mm-hmm. thinks, oh, because he can fly. Uh-huh. No, originally Superman could just jump, jump. really high mm-hmm. and gravity would eventually reclaim him. I always thought that was really weird and I, I, I just, I never realized where it came from until now. And that was exactly what John Carter could do because on the lower gravity of Mars, he could jump and uh-huh. eventually... Gravity would come, and that would give him, you know, obviously a boost in the yeah. Uh, Ooh, oh my in, in adventures with Martians, but yeah, it's it's interesting that 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 cinema stuff that people maybe dismiss as very junk literature mm-hmm. is so load bearing to the pop culture of today. Oh yeah, yeah, and and it's weird that now the pop culture literature that of yesterday mm-hmm. is very frequently now... I mean, like we were talking about Charles Dickens. Now it's considered yeah. a classic. Right. And it's just like... And some of the pulp stuff doesn't enjoy that status. You don't see a lot of... That's true. A lot of academic unpacking of mm. Doc Savage or The Shadow or yeah. even John Carter. You do it with Sherlock Holmes. You do it yeah. with Charles Dickens. You do it with Tarzan, though. Tarzan, yeah, but even then, yeah. it's not an not intellectual as, pursuit, but yeah. it is definitely an. I mean, mm-hmm. also Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yeah, you know, give it another fifty years, and we might be getting there for the pulp stuff. I would you love know. there to be a pulp resurgence. It's got mm-hmm. one of these movies has to actually hit at the box office though first, because yeah. before that, it's going to be hard. And then I'll pitch my Doc Savage Shadow Buddy Cop yeah. movie and yeah. make. All the money. Because remember, Hollywood, if you listen to me, <laughs> everything's going to be fine. 
I actually think we're we're done with our episode because you just gave me the signal. I sure did. <laughs> So, uh, thanks, thanks for tuning in, guys. Hopefully, next time, Z will be back from their secret mission. I hope, I hope they bring back donuts. I could really use a donut right now. Yes, but like, like, unusual donuts that I can't get anywhere else. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Like, it, like, oh, it kind of tastes like ham or something. And like, I don't know if I want this, but I want to try it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. just, um, Then they no bring fish. also the, just the regular glazed. Right, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know. I, I want the donut that has like Fruit Loops on it. That's what I want. <laughs> doesn't doesn't that hurts donut place too? It, it, it yeah, is. Yeah, I, it is. I had a I cocoa puff now. donut from them. <laughs> oh and my that god, was, that was intense. <laughs> that was me. Like, that was, I think I need to take a break. <laughs> yeah, that was. I was cuckoo, but I shouldn't have been. Huh? <laughs> right. Some things are just too much sugar. And on that note, we're ending it. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to like, 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 and subscribe to As the Myth Turns on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And email us at asthemythturns at gmail.com. Transcripts for this episode can be found at our WordPress site, asthemythturns.wordpress.com. Our theme song is called Fretless by Kevin McLeod. You can find this song and all his others at incompetech.com.